Welcome to episode 65 of the Victors, a Michigan sports podcast. We are affiliated with Between the Whistles Detroit, a JC Sports Network exclusive. I'm your host, Chad Mazigan, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jordan Dean. Sir, three in a row, three t- uh, a third attempt or a, a third uh, chance to repeat again or three-peat as Big Ten Championship. And hopefully three is the magic charm and on this trip to the playoffs. How are you feeling after a big win over Ohio State? Yes, sir. That's all I gotta <laughs> say to that, man. It's it, it's it's uh, what a, what a weekend, man. So proud of this freaking team and their resiliency. These kids, and I mean, they faced some serious adversity in the game, losing their one, you know, the one of their captains, and just no judge Jim Harbaugh. Just man, I, I I'm still on cloud nine from this past weekend. And have I watched the game multiple times? Yes. Have I watched highlights? Yes. Have I watched anything related to this game? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm just so, so, it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine. That's that, that's the takeaway from all of it right now. Yeah, no doubt. They overcame a lot. Um, you know, I particularly had questions on last week's episode when we were previewing the game of how Sharon Moore would handle it. You know, he was pretty conservative in those first two games, and I was concerned that that would be an issue in this one. But uh, he came out swinging, and he, he coached a hell of a game. Um, you know, went for it on fourth down when needed. The players executed on those uh, play calls uh, they went three for three on fourth downs um you know brought out the trick play with uh big don uh throwing a pass down the field uh so that was great um uh, but it was good it was, about a ball that could have been a tutty yeah you know you're right but you know what when the running back's throwing it i'll take the completion exactly. <laughs> anything else is extra like but yeah so i was super excited but yeah let's uh you know let's get through this i guess a little bit uh you know stat wise it was it was it was as solid as it can be, I guess, you know, JJ McCarthy, 16 for 20, 148 yards and a touchdown, uh, you know, super, super clean day. Very good. Uh, only made one decision where me and you almost threw up when he threw that ball across his body to Cornelius Johnson at the end of the game. Uh, there. It was, it was ended up being a crucial play, but I, I'm pretty sure my, my, my balls went in my stomach. I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure. I mean, if yeah, that, yeah. you know, a lot of nine out of 10 times, this is going to be a pick going the other way. So, uh, glad that didn't happen. Um, but anyway, so yeah, um, Blake Corum, solid day, 22 carries for 88 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, had the big fourth down conversion uh, for a touchdown uh, to score the first uh, touchdown of the day for Michigan to get him up after a big Will Johnson interception. Uh, Donovan Edwards, 10 carries for 31 yards, uh, not too bad. Also had that, you know, as we talked about, that one throw for 34 yards on a completion on the, you know, halfback uh, swing pass, I guess you can say, or toss pass. Uh, but the big big day was uh, in the receiving game was Colston Loveland. I mean, he's showing why he's one of the better tight ends in the country. Uh, five catches for 88 yards. Uh, obviously, you know, Roman Wilson is one of JJ's favorite guys, but I think Loveland is truly taking Ronnie's Ronnie Bell's spot of like JJ's safety blanket. Like when in doubt, I'm looking for Colston Loveland or I'm looking for big 18, but, uh, you know, uh, we had one, two, three, six guys, you know, get involved in the passing game. Um, so the ball was spread around again, a very efficient day by JJ McCarthy overall, um, 182, Passing yards, 156 rushing yards. It's about as balanced as it gets, Jordan. Yeah, they did exactly what we thought we we needed them to do, man. I mean, we, we knew we couldn't just be a pass happy or a run happy. We had to be able to stretch them horizontally uh, and, you know, get downhill on them, run the, run the game and run the ball. And it's exactly what they did. I mean, I, like I said, I, I could not be more proud of uh, their execution. I mean, it was tough sledding. I mean, I give a lot of credit to Ohio State. 
that was a much improved defense from last year. Uh, really did limit a lot of our – I mean, you could say – to me, when I hear explosive plays, I always say somewhere between like 30, you know, 25, 30 yards. Everyone has different definitions of that, and we didn't have too many of those, and just because of the schematics of what they did. But everything we, we did, we earned and could not be uh, more proud. Yeah, and our stats held true. You know, we talked about the rushing yard battle, and Michigan won that, uh, you know, 156 rushing yards to Ohio State's 107. Um, What was the interesting thing was, you know, uh, coming out in the second half, uh, Michigan was up uh, 17-10, to I think, at the time. Uh, Ohio State got the ball, and, I mean, they ran it eight straight times down the field, five to seven yards of carry, and punched in for a touchdown with Travion Henderson. A uh, very talented player. Um, you know, I was a little concerned at that point. Like, oh man, they're dishing back what we've given them the last two years. Like, they are showing they're a little bit more of a physical football team at least, at least compared to the last two years. And uh, you know, I was getting concerned because it's not like Michigan's defense, uh, specifically, you know, the defensive tackles to get kind of pushed around like that in the run game. So, it's glad they're able to adjust. Uh, Ohio State went away from it a little bit too, but. Uh, I mean, as you expect, they're going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. involved. He's the focal point of the offense. He was by far the best player on the field for either team. Um, not not a, not a, not embarrassed to admit that. Um, but yeah, Michigan, you know, held strong defensively. Those boys played about as good as a game as you could ask them to. Um, you know, Will Johnson, big time interception uh, to start uh, kind of on the second series, get get Michigan rolling, get them in a good spot offensively to go score a touchdown. Obviously, Rod Moore calling game on that last drive. Uh, you know, credit to the defensive line, McCord under big pressure when he got that pass off, wasn't able to really step into it, and that allowed Rod Moore to get there and end the game. Uh, but that was just a good performance overall. And, you know, it was 30-24, to so I wouldn't call it a low-scoring game. I know we called it, you know, kind of predicted a lower-scoring game, uh, but it kind of felt like that grindy game. Like, you know, the offense has scored, but it wasn't coming in bunches. They would score, you know, I guess Michigan scored back-to-back drives. I think it was to go up 14-3. to But kind of after that, it was just kind of grindy, right? Michigan went, had a couple drives where they didn't come away with points, and then they finally scored again. And then kind of same with Ohio State. It was kind of that grindy-type game despite the score being 30-24. to Oh, it absolutely was. I think it really uh... – coaches made great adjustments everything was earned like we talked about I, I do think you know uh defensively I was very very impressed with the the just the mix-up that we did a lot of different looks defensively with coverages and we ran a ton of stunts uh that really messed with the offensive line and uh you know made McCord get off his spot you know we I feel like we overall pressured better this year than we did last year I think a lot of it had to do with the different type of quarterback that was back there. But um, when we got Kyle off the spot, he, he, he obviously we uh, forced some turnovers. Um, I do think that first half interception from Will Johnson, what a, just a high IQ play. You could tell kind of pre-snap where he was lined up and he kind of like cheated a little bit, almost like I can say he knew it was coming, but he just felt like it, he, he was going to be aggressive, whether it was a hit slant out, whatever it is, he was just going to go for it and jump in. And he, he literally beat the receiver to the spot and Kyle, Forced it and, you know, set really well. I mean, Ryan Day said it best when it, you lost, you lose the turnover battle and you lose the running running game battle, you're going to lose the game. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And I mean, that Will Johnson, uh, Marvin Harrison battle was fun to watch. And we talked about it. We knew both players would probably win some of the battles. Like, no one was going to yep. shut one the other out. You know, Will Johnson made the first big play. 
Uh, Marvin Harrison came back and was able to make a couple plays, uh, you know, a couple of the, you know, following drives. Um, you know, credit to Jesse Minter, even Marvin Harrison Jr. came out and said, he's like, I've never seen coverage like that. And, you know, despite him saying that, he still had a hell of a game. He had five catches for 118 yards and a touchdown. So we didn't shut him out by any means or any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, good good to Minter and that defensive staff for coming up with a game plan and looks that, you know, Ohio State wasn't familiar with, right? Because, and you could see it in the sense of, Marvin Harrison didn't get going right away, and that Ohio State offense didn't get going right away. So that, you know, whether it was confusion or trying to figure out what Michigan's defense was really trying to do, allowed Michigan to get out to that 14-3 lead, which obviously we know played a huge role as that game came down to a six-point. You know, Michigan's up by six with around a minute left, and Ohio State's getting a ball with a chance to go down and win the game. Like, that 11-point lead to start the game, that that was crucial. Again, big credit to the defense scheme and, and you know, players executing it. Uh, they, they gave Ohio State some fits early on, and they had to definitely adjust and try and figure out what Michigan was doing to them. Yeah, one of, the, one, of those big, one of those big situations was right at the end of that, the first half, man. I think they, had, they really had to press to get sure they wanted to make a choice to go for the field goal or, or, you know, go for it type of situation. And Ryan Day chose that field goal, and, you know, what a – you know, you, you can say the statistics behind freezing a kicker, you know, does not really, you know, much of an advantage, but clearly, you know, Sharon Moore felt different about it, called that timeout. I thought it was a B, I thought it was BS originally that he even got that kickoff. It was pretty delayed after the, the whistle. Um, but that that kick ended up being huge. I mean, he lost by three. And yeah, it at least put him in a position at the end. And I know you never know how it plays out. Like one play can change the course of how the rest of the game goes. But let's say that did count. It's twenty-seven, you know, thirty or twenty-seven at the end there. Ohio State's right on the door of field goal range when they threw that interception. You know, if they were only in a three-point game, so they might not be pressing as hard in the passing game at that point. They're like, okay, let's hand it off to Henderson here, see if he can get you know five, seven yards, and now we got you know a forty-eight yard field goal to uh, at, at the very minimum tie this thing, right? So it just changes the whole right. course of the game. And yeah, um, you know, just a decision that didn't work out for Ryan Day. I was a little surprised he played as conservative conservative as he did there. Um, yeah. But you know, it is what it is. And, and it I gotta was, give uh, one more shout out to the uh, defensive secondary at least. Uh, Will Johnson went out in the fourth quarter with an injury, an ankle injury, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, other guys had to step up and defend, uh, you know, stop, uh, what do they call Maserati Marv is what Gus calls him. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he he did a couple things. He caught a nice, you know, corner route uh, early on that last drive. But, again, you know, pressure got to McCord and Rod Moore, uh, you know, was able to come down in coverage and pick off a pass that was intended for Harrison to uh, end the game. So just guys stepping up all around, you know, we can talk about the Zach Zinner thing too. Awful injury. It's, you know, sad to see for a guy that came back. He was, you know, obviously at high draft stock uh, in the upcoming draft would have been drafted probably in the second round last year as well. Uh, you hate to see it, but you know, next guy up and uh, Michigan ends up scoring a touchdown a play later. And, you know, even the following drives after that, you know, you couldn't tell that we were missing Zach Zinner exactly, right? Like, guys stepped up and they came together and they they executed despite, like you said earlier, losing a, a team captain, one of the true leaders of this uh, football team. Yeah, man, I, there are a lot of teams, man, that you see your your leader and you know somebody that you care deeply about go down and you you don't respond well. It just goes to show the the really the the culture and the team that these kids this team has, and how the how close knit and uh, 
play for each other mentality that they have. And that's a, that's a, that's a kudos to, you know, Jim Harbaugh and what he's, what he's done here. And, and I, I, I know I sent you that uh, story from Joe Klatt, who, you know, was the, one of the guys that did the game and just how the, I think that I really do put some, you know, support into the fan base too. I think they did a great job of, and that awful moment of, Zach going down, and it's not, you know, Joel Klatt said basically at the beginning of it, you, you could you could hear a pen drop, you know, a pen drop in the stadium, and then from there, the 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 fans started, you know, chanting on the commercial break, "Let's go, Zach!" And then I think that that really really got the team kind of in a better head headspace and really motivated motivated them to keep fighting. And like you said, that next play, they Blake, you know, presses the gaps, steps a little bit upside, makes one makes the safety miss and he's to the crib for a twenty five yard touchdown. So I really, really impressed with how these guys responded. Yeah, and I want to bring up Ohio State too in that moment. Um, you know, we talk for about sure. how heated and hated this rivalry is, but even the, the you know, they were showing some remorse here, hugging some of the Michigan players. I saw Sharon Moore hug a couple of the, you know, Ohio State players who, you know, Obviously, it was just a bang-bang play. He got rolled up on. Nothing intentional of trying to take him out, obviously. Just one of those awful bad luck plays that happen every now and then in football, um, unfortunately, just part of the game. Um, but, you know, Jim Harbaugh even said on, I think, in Monday's press conference, like, you know, a lot of the hate, and there's obviously hate. We've seen it year in and year out. But, like, a lot of it's media-driven, too. Like, it's not as bad as, you know, Harbaugh basically saying it's not as bad as it's portrayed on, you know, the previews and the build up to this game from the media. Like there's moments in these games where these players, you know, it's, it's just a game of football at some points. And I think the Zach Zinner uh, injury, unfortunately was a good reminder of, you know, both of these teams can, you know, set aside and say, Hey, you know, this, this is just a football game and you know, there's bigger things, right? Saw the same thing when uh, was it uh, JT Miller that got hurt or, or uh, not JT Miller Braxton Miller uh, was it um, was it JT oh, Barrett yeah. or Braxton Miller it was with J- Devin Gardner it was JT there. Barrett yeah yes. it was it, it was JT Barrett broke his I wanted it like it was knee or his leg I can't remember yeah and, and yeah, Devin Gardner went out there and, yep. and it shows you again just you know some things are bigger than the game right like the the respect level and things like that so. You know, we see the hatred, all the, you know, smack talk and all that. And, you know, obviously it's the biggest rivalry in college football, biggest rivalry in sports, arguably. arguably. Um, but it's nice to see when things like this happen on either sides that, you know, we can all remember, hey, we're all human beings, right? And, you know, no matter what color we wear, there's there's got to be a mutual respect and uh, for, you know, everyone out there on the field and, you know, the health and safety of everyone, right? Absolutely. No doubt, man. It's, we're all humans at the end of the day, for sure. So, I mean, with that, I mean, you know, with, you know, it's a pretty good recap, but, you know, with, with that victory, you know, kind of like I said at the top of the show, we're going to Indy for the third straight year, and for the second time in three years, we're going to be taking on the 10-2 Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, you know, for a chance at a third straight Big Ten title. I mean, I like our chances, right, Jordan? <laughs> I, I I would think so, man. I, I, I This is a... Uh... A game that's definitely in our favor. You know, we 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 know what Iowa's about. Just playing them last last three years, um, and uh, you know, it's a situation where you know they want to run the ball. We have a great run defense. You know, I, I, we're more explosive in offense than they are. It just every, in every way, it should be. Uh, it, it could be a blowout potentially. It's uh, it's truly a bummer because we we even talked about you know prior to the season starting or you know early in the season of hey. Wouldn't it be something if Cade McNamara and Eric All and Iowa met Michigan in the Big Ten title game? Well, 
Worked out that way, just minus Cade McNamara and Eric All. So, unfortunately, those guys both suffered injuries that will hold them out. Uh, you know, Cade McNamara was a season under. I think Eric All was, too. Um, but yeah, neither of them there. Yeah, so neither of them are playing in this game. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it's been, been kind of cool to watch. I mean, I still think Michigan is the better team, but you never know. Uh, sometimes you get emotional performances from guys like that when they feel like they have something to prove or, you know, anything like that. So, uh but unfortunate for them. But before we really get into breaking this game down, I think uh, what we should cover first is the college football playoff rankings because I feel like how it's set up will play a little bit of a role. Um, you know, setting the stage, I guess, for the Iowa preview and then talking about some of the other championship games later in the episode. So, you know, we're recording on Wednesday, the 29th of November. Uh, last last night, Tuesday, the 28th, you know, the updated college rankings came out. Uh, Georgia remained at one. Uh, we can talk about that in a second. Number two, you know, Michigan moved up. Obviously, Ohio State was two. Uh, Washington, Florida State, and Oregon all slide up one, respectively, as what well, like Michigan did. So Washington three, Florida State four, Oregon five, and Ohio State falls to six, while seven uh, Texas remains at seven, and Alabama remains at eight. So no team has ever made it. Uh, you know into after the final week or in the final week conference championship week into playoff into a, a top four spot uh past six so seven and eight have historically have never made it uh in the last week so you know that almost i'm not gonna say it eliminates texas and alabama because weird stuff could happen if things play out but uh you know for argument's sake and the you know what's going on here these six teams oregon ohio state florida state washington michigan georgia Four of those six teams are going to be representing the top four teams in the playoffs, depending on how this week rolls out. So, first talking point I want to talk about with you, Jordan, and we talked about a little bit Saturday, was Michigan potentially moving to one. Now, we know everyone talked about their week schedule to start the year, but now if you look at it with those wins over Penn State and Ohio State, Michigan arguably has the two best wins out of anyone in this top six, um, you know, they're ranked above Georgia in a couple different uh, categories that, you know, could play a role. Again, it's the committee. I know they're never perfect. There's always something we can argue about. Um, but I really think Georgia's number one because they're the back-to-back defending champions. I think that's the only reason they're number one. I want to get your opinion on this because I thought Michigan, if, if they were going to become number one, obviously without Georgia losing, um, it was going to be be this week after uh, beating the number two team in the nation. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I understand your perspective saying they're back-to-back champions, but I, I historic to me, this is a, if, if I'm on the committee, this is my opinion that like, you can't look at past. You got to look at this year and what you see. I would agree with you. So yes, they're two time. Great. They've done you know, the one twenty-nine games real extremely impressive. But this year is what you got to base your facts off of. And you look at their schedule, they really have not played their best, uh, anybody spectacular, their best wins, Tennessee. Um, and that, and that, they were number 18. Um, obviously, they got Bama this weekend. But I, I honestly do think Michigan should be one, uh, just based on the fact that we have, we've, we have been two top 10 teams in Penn State and Ohio State. And we'll have another, you know, suppose, suppose and I'm assuming we're, we win this upcoming weekend, another top 25 win. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I I do think Michigan should have been moved to one in Georgia and bumped down to two, basically heading into this championship weekend. 
Yeah, and again, I was, you know, speaking of not what I would do, but I really, I don't know, I do feel like that plays a role. Um, you know, I get it. They have wins over number nine, currently number nine, Missouri, number yeah. 11, uh, Ole Miss, and then, like you said, uh, number 18, Tennessee. So they have some top 25 wins, arguably, you know, not arguably. They do have more top 25 wins than Michigan, but Michigan has a top, I mean, we can call it a top two win, but for argument's sake, we'll just call it a top five win and then a top 10 win with Penn State back at number 10. I think, uh, what were they, number seven maybe when we played them? I don't know. Yep, sounds right. Yeah, they were somewhere in the top 10. Um, You know, and that was on the road. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I get it. The SEC's the the baby um, in terms of, and, and they're proven, right? Not not saying they get special treatment because they're the SEC, but, you know, George, like, like I said, I really believe it's because Georgia's won the last two years. They've proven it year in and year out, you know, the last couple of years that they've been the best team. I don't think it's the same Georgia team. I'm not saying they're not talented. They're, they still might be the best team in the country. I just don't think they're as powerful as they were the last two years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Michigan probably has the resume to say, you know, we, we deserve this shot at number one. And you know what? If you want to – I'm not saying – you know, it's right to change it. But if, if they made the argument, oh, Georgia just blasted number eight Alabama and, you know, Michigan cakewalked or, you know, whatever, beat Iowa and they flip them again, like, I don't know. I wouldn't be happy about that either, but at least that makes a little more sense than what we're currently looking at, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Georgia also, I mean, if you want to look at it from a week-to-week perspective, they really did not look that impressive against Georgia Tech. I mean, I know it's a rivalry game there too, but – they didn't, you know, beat the brakes off them, and I know Michigan didn't break the break, beat the brakes off Ohio State, but it's a you know bigger, bigger matchup. I don't know. I think there's some SEC favoritism. It's just the way that it's been because the SEC has been so dominant. Um, but in the long run, it could benefit us, but a lot's got to happen between. I, I'd rather be the number one seed than the number two seed personally. So how excited are you that Ohio State has a chance to backdoor into the playoffs yet again? No, 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 no. I I don't think that happens. I I I don't think they're gonna get get in there this year. Well, I don't think you can. I will, I'm we'll just see. saying, in the scenario that Washington and Florida State lose, okay, Oregon's definitely going to number three. Yep. So are you put in? Uh, I'm putting Texas in there. Frick them. Yeah, I mean, if if Bama loses to Georgia, I think it's easier to hop Texas, put Texas over Ohio State because they're twelve and one, and they would have a conference championship if you know compared to Ohio State being eleven and one and staying at home. I also think Texas has a better resume than Ohio State, so I would have thought Texas would have been six and Ohio State would have been seven personally, based off of you know what's happened this year. Um. I think the real wrench could be if Alabama beats Georgia. I don't think that's going to happen, yes. but it would be very interesting. Um, I, th- I think it's more likely than we want it. I-, I think it's more realistic than some people are giving credit for. I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a battle. I don't think Georgia's going to trounce them, but I do think Georgia wins. But if if Georgia doesn't you know play their best ball, they could find themselves in an interesting situation. Yeah, I, uh, if, if Texas my, my wins guess, and Bama wins, it's just very interesting to see what they do because. Texas has the head-to-head victory over Alabama, which we know from historical, you know, or yeah. past playoffs that plays a big role. Like, are you going to hop Bama because they beat the number one team? Like, it's it's crazy to think about, right? Mm-hmm. I I think the team is, you know, if we're, Michigan fans want Florida State, 
Uh, you know, we want to be wanting to play Florida State. I think Florida State's going to win this weekend and get somehow they're still not going to finish because or be in the playoff because it's the ACC. It's very pretty bad, and also they don't have their starting quarterback. And if the committee really is serious about putting the best four teams in the country, objectively, that is not Florida State without Jordan Travis. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with you, but I, if Florida State wins, I just, I cannot, I, I don't believe we live in a world where an undefeated team would get overlooked or passed. Currently in a playoff spot, would get passed by a one-loss team. Um, I just, I, I can't imagine a thirteen-zero team, a Power Five thirteen-zero team, being left, left, left out of the playoff. I mean, I, I definitely get what you're saying, but. You know, they earned it. They put them out of the playoffs. And then, you know, Ohio State lost. And we knew whoever lost between Michigan and Ohio State was going to fall out of the top four. So Florida State was kind of going to find their way back in there anyway. But I have such a hard time saying, like, oh, you've been ranked in the playoffs, you know, every week but one going into this. We're going to actually remove you and put in, you know, Ohio State who didn't win a conference championship or Washington or, you know, uh, you know, let's say Oregon wins, we're gonna put in one loss Washington and loss in the conference championship or, you know, even twelve and one Texas. I don't know who the next team is. Maybe it's Texas, but I don't know. I I I would be pissed for Florida State if they took them out undefeated despite, you know, losing. Do you think um, but the thing is too, I don't know, man, like it's gotta be about we talk about eye tests and those type of things as much and I went on the committee, but like I I don't think a a Jordan Travis less Florida State team can, would beat Ohio State, would beat a Texas, would beat an Alabama. I, right. and, and, like, I, I, I understand, like, yes, they'll be undefeated in their, in their scenario, but it's really about the best four teams in college football. And whoever gets Florida State in round one, they're going to win based on that, in my opinion. I don't think Florida State has a chance against a Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, uh, Texas, or wh- whoever you want to put in there in, the, in their matchup. So yeah, I think the happens. problem is though, if you're going based off who you just think the best team is, I think your four best teams are honestly Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Alabama, and we're talking one, two, five, and eight. Really, in that I'm I, I, I'm taking Texas over Bama. Personally. I know I, Texas beat them head to head, but Alabama's been so hot as of late, and I know they barely beat Auburn, but that is always uh, that. A lot of times that is a brutal rivalry game, whether Auburn's down, Alabama's down, they're both good. Like it always just seems to be a very close matchup. Uh it's one of those games where just you gotta throw the records out. Like these teams do not like each other. They're going to play their ass off. Um yeah. I don't know. That's kinda how I felt about the Georgia Georgia Tech too. Like and, and you know, we've seen it with Michigan and Michigan State in the past. We've seen some really bad Michigan State teams stay really close with some highly ranked Michigan teams and vice versa, you know, like yeah just how these rivalry games go, but I don't know. I feel like Alabama, I know, you know, earlier this year we were talking like, Oh, Nick Saban might be done. You know, they benched Milrow. They don't even know who their quarterback is, but man, in the last like six weeks, they've figured something out and they just seem to be clicking offensively and defensively. Like it's just a different, it looks like a vintage Alabama team. So I don't know. That's, that's my opinion of the best four teams in the country is Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and uh, uh, Alabama. If we were just going based off like eye test. I don't know. I, I totally can't respect it. I get it. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, I'd expect Michigan to win, no doubt. I do think Florida State probably wins with little to no issue. Um, 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Louisville's going to lay down now. I think. Oh, I, I don't think, think they'll lay down, but I. I still think Florida State's got a better roster overall, mm-hmm. and that defense will give Louisville a lot of fits. Like I don't think Florida yeah. State's going to have to score a ton of touchdowns to you know be like I think Florida State's defense will hold Louisville to you know minimal points. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the most exciting, the two exciting games to watch will be the Georgia. Uh, uh, Alabama game and the Washington Oregon game. Um, you know, this is Bo Nix time to shine the show. You know, the Oregon believers, they are better than Washington. And, you know, there's a tough loss. I know they took earlier this year to the Huskies, but, uh, I do think, I do think the Ducks are the more complete team. Yeah. I, and over the last, I don't know, maybe I'll say 10 years to me, this is the most dangerous Oregon team that I can remember. Um, I think they are playing so, uh, so continuity on the offense, defense, spells team. They're playing, you know, they're smoking people. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Defensively, they're very aggressive. They tackle very well. Like, this is the most complete team. You know, I know they made the championship with Marcus Mariota with a 2014, I think, 2015, something like that. Um, and they, they, they could score a lot of points, but they couldn't stop any. But this this year, they're, they're scoring and stopping people. So, I don't know, man. I do – and that's the Georgia – uh, previous de- defensive coordinator, so th- it's coming out of that Kirby Smart tree, and he's really he's really bringing some of the SEC defense stuff over there, and they they they're recruiting really really well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, if you had to guess, who's your uh, who's your final six or final four with your two first out? You know, uh, you know, going into this week, who do you think comes out next week and is going to the playoff? Uh, no particular order, unless you want me to do an order. Do you want uh, me to do an order? I don't care. If you want to just do your top okay. four, that's fine. I think. Top four, we're looking at the Wolverines. We're looking at Georgia. Um, I think we're looking at Oregon. And I think Florida State. Those are the four. Yeah, I got the same. I think it'll be Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Florida State. Um, You know, you can have the debate that Florida State, you know, could be three, they could be four. You know, like you said, without uh, Jordan Travis, do they, you know, you know, Florida State, you did make it in. You're undefeated. We can't really kick you out, but you are going to be the four seed and play Georgia, you know, just because, you know, four is supposed to be the weakest of the four, uh, you know, four seed or whatever. So see see where they get kind of filtered in, but I do think they win. I think your uh, five and six are Washington and oh, yeah, my Texas. Yeah. So. yeah, that's – that. I was gonna, to me, I have uh, Washington and potentially – and uh, I was going to say Ohio State, but yeah, Texas is fine too. I think if Texas wins, they'd just jump Ohio State, just yeah. given the extra game being a conference champion. So I could see Texas hopping both Washington and uh, They got Ohio Oklahoma State. State. That's who Texas is playing? No, I don't think so. Uh, are they playing Oklahoma? Or did you say Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? Oh, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think it's Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah I thought okay. you said Oklahoma yeah. at first, and that's why I was – um, let me check here, though. I did have yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Oklahoma State. I mean, that could be an interesting game, but Texas should win that game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yep, OSU, well, Oklahoma State University. Not Ohio State, obviously. Um, I yeah. should take Texas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, before we get into the Iowa preview, one other thing I think we should cover. Uh, the Big Ten, uh, all Big Ten teams came out uh, Monday was defense or Tuesday was defense. And then Wednesday today was offense. Um, you know, Michigan was pretty well represented, Jordan. I would say so, sir. Uh, we, we have quite the, quite the crew here at, uh, Michigan this year, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very 
impressed. Honestly, none of these names that were on here were like, oh, wow, that's surprising. Like, no, it was like, yep, I agree with every single one of them. <laughs> no, we can start with defense. Uh, you know, defensive tackle, uh, Mason Graham made it on there. Uh, Will Johnson, no-brainer, made it on the all uh, first-team All-Big Ten defense. And uh, Mikey Sandstrill made it as well. <clears throat> so those were your three Michigan representatives on defense. Offensive was the different story. So uh, basically put our t- entire starting unit out there. You know, uh, we had a, we have 11 guys on the first uh, all, all Big Ten uh, first team offense. Uh, let's see. Or between the first and second team. Is it, is it first and second or is it all, all first? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it's all Big Ten offense. Uh, yeah, yeah just all Big Ten. So okay, yeah, so McCarthy yeah. was uh, you know first first team, Corn was first team, Zach Zinner was first team, uh, Drake Nugent the center, first team, Colston Loveland was first team coaches, second team media, uh, Ladarius Henderson was first team coaches, second team media, uh, offensive guard Trevor Keegan was second team in both, uh, Roman Wilson was second team in both. Uh, Carson Barnhart, the tackle, was second coaches, third uh, media. Um, and then A.J. Barner and Cornelius Johnson were honorable mentions for the All-Big Ten team. So, again, uh, not not surprising. Michigan's offense, uh, for the most part this year, was pretty explosive. Uh, you know, they beat up on the bad teams they were supposed to for the most part. Uh, showed up in big games like the Penn State and Ohio State game. So, and obviously... Uh, when you go 12 and 0, most likely you're scoring quite a few points. So uh, well represented defensively. Uh, you could argue a couple other guys could have made it on there. Uh, we just talked the first team on that one. I'm sure a couple guys were on the second team as well. But uh, just overall, uh, and we've talked about it. This is it's probably the best roster we've had at Michigan. Um, you know, in the last 10, you know, 20 years. I mean, you can argue that maybe last year was a little bit better. Um, you know. Just given the difference in you know some of the offensive line play and you know maybe your receivers and stuff, but overall I think this team is uh, better, well-rounded. Oh yeah, there's no doubt that this is the most deep team we've had. I, I would say like running backs, line, uh, offensive line, quarterback, receivers to me is like our, our one position where I'm like, eh, we're we're good, but we're not like wow good. Um, but everywhere else, defensive line, we got eight or nine deep linebackers, five or six deep corner safety. Dude, it's, it's the future is bright too. Cause I mean, we are very heavy led and, you know, upperclassmen, but we do have some young bucks that are, you know, leading the way too. But, uh, this is a special, special group group, man, a, a bunch of, a lot of mature, mature young men on this team. No doubt. And, uh, you know, we talked about it at the top of the show that three is the magic number. Well, three is also the number of games they have to win to win a national championship. And it's going to start this weekend in the Big Ten uh, championship game against Iowa. Uh, you know, we mentioned earlier, Iowa 10-2, and two, you'd say, oh, wow, they're pretty good. Well, no, they played in the Big Ten West. They're actually pretty bad. And I don't want to sound like I'm overconfident and you know not paying attention. Like, yes, you still got to go out and beat these guys, but... Michigan plays how they're capable of. I mean, Iowa might not score any points in this game. Um, you know, their strongest win this year is probably against Iowa State back in week two. I think they got the 20-13 victory in that game. Um, the best opponent they've played all year was Penn State, and they lost 31 to nothing in Happy Valley. So That was ugly. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know, Jordan. They, their wins aren't great. Their two losses, I mean, they lost to you know Penn State, as I just said. They got upset by Minnesota, who was average at best in a bad Big Ten West division. Um, 
you know, we can argue that Iowa probably should have lost to Michigan State when they played them. Uh, Michigan State gave that game away on a platter, uh, a couple other games kind of like that. And, you know, it's kind of the, the tight rope you walk when you're super good on defense, but your offense just can't do anything. And, you know, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. Most teams, no matter how bad they are, are going to be able to score some type of points in a you know game. So Iowa can't support their defense by scoring some points. It's it's not going to be pretty. And again, they are ten to they're able to do it most of the year. They didn't play any of the really good schools in the Big Ten. Their non conference schedule again was not great. Iowa State being their best opponent, and they you know they won. But I just. Uh, I don't know, man. If if Michigan plays how we're capable of, they show up business trip. You know, I I, I think uh, I I don't think this game's going to be particularly close. No, yeah, man, you're you're hitting it on the head. I uh, this could be potentially over at halftime um, if uh, things go the way they could. Um, you know, we've it, it's a very copy and paste from last year as far as what they're going to do. You know, they're going to. Want to run the ball, control the clock, and do some play action, pass stuff off of it. Um, so if we can really lock down the run game and make this quarterback uh, throw, uh, when, when I mean, like you talked earlier about, I I, I do wish as we were talking about Kate McNamara here. You know, this would be a a fun game just to you know re, uh, preview him and what he's done this year with Eric All. But it's just not it's just not even with that Iowa team. I still with them playing. We're still light years ahead of them, but without them, it's even worse than what it probably would have been. Um, so it is, it is what it is, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the game regardless, regardless. Yeah. And there's just some like crazy stats. Like how bad Iowa's been. Like, I think, uh, it might've been the Iowa state game. Uh, you know, Cade McNamara, I know it was to Eric all through a touchdown pass to Eric all on the opening drive. And it was like the first opening drive passing touchdown since like 1990 something. I'm like, what? Like, what? <laughs> um, like yeah. I know Iowa likes to pound the rock, but come on, man. Um, but yeah, and I mean, another crazy stat. Like this is how abysmal Iowa's offense is. They rank at the bottom of like every major category. They they average like 260 yards a game, which is awful. They only average 18 points a game, and you know some of those points are defensive scores. So like that's not even like all offensive numbers. Um, and Eric All, you know, talking about him, the transfer from Michigan, uh, he hasn't played since October 14th when he suffered that season-ending injury. He still leads Iowa in passing or uh, yeah, receiving yards um, with 299. That's 12 weeks of football. Their leading receiver hasn't played for half the year, and he still leads the team with 299 yards and three touchdowns. That's insane, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, um, I re- it, it, it really. I thought it was an it air was, when I saw it at first. Like, I'm like, air, no way. Too. I was like, exactly. There's no way that that's the case. But it goes to show, A, like you talked about how abysmal the West of Big Ten is, the fact that they, these numbers are your Uremies, and yet they're sitting here at 10-2. and two. Um, And how good their defense has been to even give them an opportunity to beat games. Um, so it, it goes to show how well they're playing. But, like, you don't see it. I was a week. I want to say it was happening. Maybe it was at the beginning of the year was announced. I can't remember. It was the beginning of the year or the middle of the year where basically Brian Ferens, the offensive coordinator, was given his basic, basic hey, if your team doesn't average, I think it's 25 points a game. It was, yeah, so and that was, that was this offseason. Like this offseason, okay. Yeah, which season. makes sense at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, yep. if you don't hit 25 points a game, you're freaking done. 
And like, I, honestly, like I don't blame them for doing that. And honestly, in college they, football, that should be in every offensive coordinator's contract. But here's the funny thing: Jordan. <laughs> no team in the Big Ten West would have met that con- contractual obligation. No one in the Big Ten West averaged more than twenty-five points a game. They were all under twenty-five. And that's and that's so bad for the West and who's like you're talking Nebraska, who's in a rebuild. You're talking Wisconsin, Illinois, first Wisconsin, year Luke like Fickle. There's so many, so many Northwestern, like, come on, man. And and it's sad because some of these schools have like good tradition, right? Like, and I get it. Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. they'll be back. I do believe Luke Fickle is a good coach and he will get that program turned around. And it's hard to do because Luke Fickle wanted to change the scheme. Um, And, you know, Wisconsin's roster wasn't built for what he wanted to do yet. So it was kind of a mix, an ugly mix of like, this is what we want to do, but guess what? We kind of still have to play power run because that's what we're built for. So um, similar to like when Rich Rod took over Michigan from Lloyd Carr, like Rich Rod wanted to change everything. And like that first year, they really couldn't do much of anything because they weren't built to do what Rich Rod wanted to do. I mean, they weren't very good overall anyway, but like they weren't built or didn't have the type of players Rich Rod really needed for a scheme. Um, and that's kind of how it felt like in Wisconsin this year. Uh, Minnesota, you think PJ Fleck would be a little bit better this, you know, you know, you would think, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had big expectations, uh, you know, compete for a big 10 West every now and then, uh, Nebraska, I know they're under a first coach, uh, you know, Matt rules there first year kind of, uh, you know, trying to fix frost mess, uh, you know, defensively, they played well, offensively could just couldn't score. Northwestern went through the whole thing with Pat Daryl. Not that they were expected to be that great anyway. They actually played better than anyone thought they would. Um, Illinois took a big step back. We thought they'd be a little bit better. Um, you know, it was just <laughs> just a rough year over there, man. I don't. And the thing is, too, like you you look at their roster. Like I get it. It probably if you look at it objectively from a Big Ten perspective, Iowa's probably not the place that kids want to go to. It's in the middle of freaking nowhere. Like there's a lot, they, they are uphill battle when it comes to recruiting. Some of this can be style of play and that type of stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not. I know there's talent on that roster. You don't win. You can't. You don't win ten games with crap, right? You, even if your league's bad, if you if you were you know UConn or something like that, yeah, UConn's roster. You're not winning ten games. Like you, you gotta. So clearly they can recruit. It's I I put this a hundred percent on this coaching staff and and I loyalties just you know it's just, it's son like I get it like at some point though like bro like he's probably I think Kirk's probably out of out of out of here out the gate here in a few years he's been doing this for thirty years twenty five years but like their next hire to me it's like you got to burn everything to the ground with this offense like you need to start fresh you need to do. You can't you can keep your ground and pound mentality. Like look at Michigan, man. Like we're a ground and pound team, but we still spread the ball out. We still run spread stuff. Make teams, you know, defend us horizontally. I, I do feel like they gotta get to that in order to really be successful. And so their next their next hire's gotta be not not under the the Kirk Ferrens uh, tree per se. Yeah, I mean you can't tell me Iowa doesn't have good donors. Like I don't know, at some point no. you just got to go out and get a quarterback, right? Like, and I know they tried with that's Cade. Insane, Cade wasn't too, looking right. bad. He got hurt. You know, it's mm-hmm. some of that's bad. Luck. I don't, think, I don't know yeah, if he'll be. I don't up. think Cade ever. Cade never recovered. I don't think Cade ever was a hundred percent. No, like, once he, he was hurt, he was hurt, and it just got worse. And obviously, eventually ended the season. Does he have eligibility to come back again next year? 
Yeah, I think he, does. he already said he's coming back. Okay, so yeah, that'll be a decent start for Iowa, I guess. Um, you know, he showed some promise. He didn't look great all year, but like you said, he was hurt most of the year. Um, but yeah, there's some promise there, I guess, at the quarterback position alone. Uh, I mean, defensively, we know they're always going to be good. But before we move to defense, I guess we can just talk about you know some of the guys on offense that they're going to kind of game plan around. Um, you know, running back, uh, LaShawn Williams, he's their leading rusher, 779 yards on the ground this year, averages a healthy five yards per carry. He's only scored one touchdown, which is kind of weird with that, the rest of that stat line. Um, but again, I guess not too weird in the sense. Uh, I saw the stat, Blake Corm has 22 touchdowns on the year. Iowa's offense in total has 22 touchdowns on the year. So that kind of puts in the perspective of, uh, you know, what's going on in Iowa. Uh, the biggest problem right now is quarterback Deacon Hill, um, there's no, you know, no disrespect, but there's no way to say it. He's awful. Uh, he's yeah, thrown he for 976 yeah. yards, five touchdowns, six picks. He only throws or only completes 48.3% of his passes, which I, I can't believe that's real. Um, he's been sacked 16 times. I can't, I haven't watched enough Iowa games to tell you if that's Hill holding the ball too long or if it's a mix it's a of mixed bad bag. offensive line play. It's a mixed bag. Um, and when he gets sacked, he fumbles a lot. He's had eight fumbles. He's only lost three of them, but he's fumbled eight times. So this guy's a turnover machine. He's got 14 um, or nine turnovers, essentially, with the three fumbles lost and the six picks uh, to only five touchdowns. So, you know, oh, he's a freaking tree, bro. He can't oh, move. He's a big he, boy. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. He takes his drop. I mean, that's that's it's been Cade's problem, too. They're both statues. They have no ability yeah, At least to this move guy won't get hurt because he's so padded, you know. <laughs> he, he is a little hefty. That reminds me of the hefty lefty. He, for real, for real. Like I, I, I. That's something. Like you said, they're gonna have a buffer next year having Cade come back, but they really got us. You know. And the thing is too, like there's like I'm gonna be honest with you, Chad. There's no excuse that with the with the way the transfer portal is these days and all that. Like, yeah, you got Cade, but you're telling me you can't either recruit or find another service or quarterback outside of a number one to come to your school like come on dude like that yeah and when they it, find it, other it skilled positions sense. they want out like charlie jones last year who played for purdue had an amazing year with purdue a big reason was the reason essentially they went to the big 10 title game they were terrible this year because they lost everyone including their coach but um you know he was at iowa for the i think the three years prior to that and he had to leave because no one knew who he was on iowa like he Iowa holds you back, so when they do get those talented guys that could actually be decent, you know, receivers, uh, tight ends. Sam Laporte is a great example in the NFL, killing it with the Detroit Lions. Barely used in college, like you know, he played, but like they just didn't utilize him enough in the passing game. It's just crazy to see some of this Iowa talent that's come out the last four years or transferred elsewhere, and you're like, wow, that guy can actually play. Like, oh, you would have never seen that in Iowa's offense. It's like they're stuck in the '90s, man. I, I don't know. It's just they want to keep the same format, and clearly it's not working. If you're not even scoring 20 points a game, and and you got a 48% clip with percentage of throwing the ball, and I mean you're running the ball. I mean they always got tough linemen. They, you know, you just look at their track record. Um, but it's if if the West was even serviceable, like I'm talking. Not the the bottom feeder. Honestly, they're probably one of the worst of one of the worst side of like the divisions or in like all between the ACC, SEC, Big Twelve. Um, oh, I no. take some of the Big Twelve teams over the West as far as if matchup matchup wise, and the Big Twelve got some pretty trash teams in it too. Like if they're if they're serviceable, Iowa wins what seven games? If we're honest with ourselves, yeah, like probably. So the fact, 
So this this shouldn't even be a conversation with them even being here, but here we are. So this should be, you know. Yeah, the problem this is there's still no one clearly better, right? <laughs> right. Well, 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 exactly. Well, next year there will be because there's no more division. Iowa will not be talked about for a very long time. But um, uh, to me, so this is probably the honest. I won't be surprised if uh, just based on like family and how family is, like I, I won't be surprised if both Ferns are out after this year. It's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Michigan, you know, if they play, if they stop the run, I mean, there's, there's no, yeah. yeah, there's no way they're going to get passed up and down on, um, you know, I'd expect Michigan to. It's almost a situation where like we could throw three interceptions and fumble the ball once and, and still, still win. probably win this yeah. game. Yeah. I like mean, the, Mich- that's yeah, Michigan, I would have to imagine defensively is going to just stack the box up and, you know, say, mm-hmm. go, go beat us on the outside. And, you know, they'll, they'll have some blitzes, disguise some coverages, try to confuse, Deacon Hill a little bit, but I think uh, we're going to be living in that backfield, and you know, you know, teams haven't ran well on us, and I expect that to hold up. Um, defensively is a different story, though, and we we know this. We, we've already kind of mentioned it that you know they they consistently have one of the best defenses in the country. Um, I mean, it is helpful to play in the Big Ten West, um, but it, you know, I was going to say take it with a grain of salt this year. Yeah, but say. they they still they get the job done. They still have statistically are very good. Um. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> Iowa only allows 290 yards per game. Uh, has a very good uh, run defense, allowing only 105.6 yards per game. So, you know, that's going to be the area where Michigan's going to be tested a little bit. Zach Zinner's out. We're kind of down from that emotional high when we lost him in the Ohio State game. You know, Barnhart, I'd expect to continue to play guard. Um, you know, he looks a little bit better yeah. there, more natural fit for him anyway. Uh, he has struggled at tackle this year, especially in pass protection. Um, so we'll kind of see how this goes. Um, you know, Michigan's been inconsistent running the ball this year. They've gotten it done when they've needed to. Um, but it'll be interesting. This Iowa defense is good, very good against the run. Um, how does Michigan's O-line that, you know, we know is not as good as it's been the last couple of years. Still a very good, still a good unit, just not as good as the last couple of years. Um are they able to get a consistent enough run game to still churn out yards? Um, and, you know, really, even if it's slow at first and kind of grindy for the first half, whatever, I do think this is the type of game just because I was not going to be able to do much on offense or I don't expect I would be able to do much on offense. I think this it's is, a, yeah, defense is going to be on the field a lot. Iowa's defense can get tired. Um, I just feel like Michigan, you know, you grind, you grind, you grind, you're going to start breaking them later in the game uh, just because you're going to wear them out. Absolutely, I mean, a, a great a great defense is you got to play complimentary football, right? So if you're on the field a ton, like you mentioned, you're going three and out on offense. At some point, you're just you're you're going to run out of gas. Like there's no team built in built in football to be able to be on the field for more than half the game and expect to win a football game. So I, I think that's just what's going to end up happening here. Yeah, um, this defense is only giving up 12.2 points per game. Again, uh, a little bit of a grain of salt given some of the teams they've played, but nonetheless, it's still a nice stat. Um, they're allowing only 32.5% third down conversions. Um, and I'm sad to say that Michigan officially for the first time this year has fallen under the 50% mark of offensively converting third downs. They are now at 49.6% of third down conversions. So just under 50, they were holding at 55, 54 for a lot of the year. And, uh, they finally dropped below 50 after the Ohio state game where they struggled a little bit on third down, but you know, again, they took care of business on fourth downs in that game. Um, 
Bad news for Iowa is they uh, essentially have lost their be- uh, best player too, uh, defensively and you know special teams wise. Uh, Cooper DeGene, the cornerback, not only a good corner but an electric return man. Uh, you know he got injured in practice, I think two weeks ago it was, and he will not uh, be back for the remainder of the season. Um, he had two interceptions on the season so far and a couple kick returns and punt returns. Uh, the the big guy to watch, uh, in my opinion, is line, uh, linebacker Jay Higgins. Uh, he's just a stud in the middle of that defense. He leads the team with 131 tackles. He's got one sack, one interception, one forced fumble. Uh, the guy's just a playmaker, Jordan. Uh, he is someone you have to key in on and know where he's at because he can wreak havoc. I mean, linebacker, I mean, for a while, I was linebacker. You, man, I'd still say that they're one of the top, you know, in the Big Ten as far as getting those type of players, so that he's downhill, freaking violent, hardly misses. He's, you know, he, he, he just does his job, man. I'm, I'm, I definitely a situation where if we do not get off our, get off our blocks and, you know, meet him where we got to meet him, he can wreak havoc in our run game and can single handedly uh, wreck some of our plays. So he's, he's the real deal. Yeah, he'll probably be, he'll be, a, he'll probably be one of the top backers taken in the draft in the near future. Yeah. And he's, he's definitely a guy you got to get to the second level on your uh, run blocks and things like that. Um, another guy looking at, uh, defensive end, Joe Evans, he leads the team with five and a half sacks. Um, he also has a forced fumble. Again, this is an Iowa team that is good at first forcing turnovers. They've been, you know, it's been their, been their thing for the last couple of years at the very least. Um, but Joe Evans can make some noise in the backfield. So definitely a guy they're going to have to pick up on, uh, on the edge and then safety, Sebastian Castro. He leads the team with three interceptions. He has returned one for a touchdown also has a forced fumble on the year. Um, just a guy in Michigan, uh, in the secondary. And he's not like, he, he's not the true free or strong safety. He kind of plays that Jabrell peppers, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, what do they call that position? Like a Viper position. The Viper. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he's kind of a linebacker slash safety. They move them all around kind of like a chess piece. Um, and he's been able to make some noise there. So, uh, those are some guys are going to definitely have to, you know, Michigan's offense will have to key in on, um, you know, I do think Michigan, uh, it'll be interesting, kind of like I said, running the ball. I expect them, you know, eventually to grind it out and, you know, open up run lanes. But it'll also be interesting to see how Michigan's passing game looks against us. You know, uh, they were very solid against Ohio State, but we'd be lying if we said it was, you know, obviously a little shaky against Maryland. Um, it's It's been inconsistent at times this year, too, kind of like the run game. Uh, they didn't pass the ball much at Penn State. They didn't have to. Um, I'm curious to see how they look against a better defense in Iowa, just a you know, not saying they're better than like Ohio State or Penn State's defense, but obviously it's a respectable defense. Kind of see how Michigan's offense, uh, passing wise, looks. Are they holding up against the pass rush? Receivers getting open. You know, do we take a couple shots? I feel like uh, Michigan has not taken a ton of shots the last couple of weeks, so it'll be interesting to see if we dial something up on that front just to work it in. Because I feel like in the playoffs, no matter who you get matched up with, whether it's Oregon, Florida State, uh, Washington, whoever it may be. Um, you're going to have to push the ball down the field at some times, or at least keep them honest, right? That was one of my biggest things when we're struggling to run the ball and, you know, three, four yards, you're chunking it a little bit, but you're not really breaking anything. At some point, you got to play action and take that shot downfield to kind of try and keep the defense honest and not, you know, have them load the box. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with the passing game. Yeah, and we really didn't even do that against Ohio State. Our, our biggest play down the field, it felt like, as far as, like, big Don. attempt to throw was Big Don. <laughs> exactly, so... Uh, we had some yards after the catch, you know, with Colson Loveland and Barner and stuff like that. But a lot of our stuff was anywhere between 5 to 12 yards, man. So, like, it, it definitely is going to be something we're going to we're gonna need uh, to be able to flip fields and uh, come playoff time. 
Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's going to have to be a schematic thing. And, you know, the Donovan Edwards pass was, you know, you ran it, you ran it, you ran it, and then all of a sudden, you know, you toss it out and the halfback pulls up and throws it downfield. But, like, I get it. Michigan doesn't have that big down-the-field playmaker, right? Like, yeah, Roman Wilson can get open, Johnson can get open, Loveland can get open. But it's going to have to be, from the design of the play, most likely to get them wide open. You know, they're not going to just beat people based on, you know, their ability, right? It's not Marvin Harrison Jr. out there or some of these other elite receivers. Like, yeah, they got speed and things like that. They can get open, uh, but it's going to be have to uh, be a well-designed play, a well-designed shot, um, and, and that's, you know, it's you know, Michigan's done it, they, and they, they can do it. They just, you know, I, to me, I feel like they need to get back to it. Yeah, I, I, I think if anything this week, like I think this is a game where I need to try Michigan. some things. Yeah, you'll I'll, have the room I'll, for air. Where you try some things to not only just, like you said, try it, but to put some stuff on tape, too. Right. To let teams know that, hey, you know, whoever's going to play us, you can't just, you know, load the box and say, be it, you know, stop the run. You're going to have to at least get – you can you, – if you do so, we will throw it over your head. So I won't be surprised if we have some shots just to get ready to go for the playoff and have that month off that uh, scares the crap out of me. So we'll see. No doubt. Uh, so, you know, Saturday night, eh, 11, 11.30, whatever it may be. Uh, what's, up, what's the final score of this one? Uh, 49-10. 49-10, I like it. I am going 38-6, I think. And, you know, obviously okay. we both have Michigan repeat, or three-peating here, uh, getting the third straight Big Ten title. It's going to be awesome watching uh, Tony Petiti uh, hand that trophy to Jim Harbaugh. Um, uh, you know, that be all worth it. that guy. That's right. Gosh, dang it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we both have, obviously, Michigan going uh, three-peating here and, you know, securing their whatever it may be, top two seed in the playoff, uh, you know, going in the playoff for the second or third year in a row, probably the second year of being the two seed. So, um. You know, we talked about that Alabama-Georgia matchup a little bit. I guess the only one I'd like to touch on a little bit more than we did was that Oregon-Washington game. Uh, what do you kind of expect from this one? I, we both have the Ducks winning, but uh, do you have it as another high-scoring affair, or what would you thinking in this one? Well, I, I think uh, when, when you lose again, you know, when it was, it was 36-33 and it was a last-second field goal, right? So there was obviously a lot, of, a lot of offense in that game. I think I respect both coaching staffs. I do think it's to be a little bit more of a kind of back and forth defensive game early, um, so I, I I think it's going to be just a little bit. I don't think it's going to be a you know a 36-33 game. It might be closer to like a I don't know 28-21 game. It's not by much, but I don't. It, I, I'd be surprised if it's going to be more than what it was last time. It's just tough to replicate that amount of success uh, when you play opponent back to back because both teams are going to make adjustments and you know, go from there. Does this game determine your Heisman winner? Because to me, the two um, finalists are, to me, it's Penix and Knicks. It, one of them is going to win it. Yeah, probably. Uh, right now, based on what, they, what they've what they done, my edge goes to Bo. Um, He's been amazing this just, year. I never thought he, he was capable yeah, of that. I, I, I didn't either. I, I, honestly, he's been... He's a, uh, I'm not going to say he was a joke at Auburn, but the, the joke at Auburn was, okay, home Bo Knicks is pretty good. Anytime Auburn was on the road, wow, that's road Bo Nix is bad. <laughs> right, right. And so I I have a feeling Bo Nix is going to get it done in the air and on the ground because he's, he's a definition of a dual threat guy. So I I, I do think uh, he wins the Heisman this year. Yeah, barring something he's crazy also, in this isn't game. Like it's, 
Oh, good. I mean, if I remember, both these guys are like fifth or sixth years, aren't they? Like they've been around a long time. Yeah. Like, these, I mean, aren't these the two quarterback oldest quarterbacks as far as like in the Heisman consideration? Oh, in Heisman been... consideration for sure. As I say, Cam I... Rising at Utah is. Uh, yeah, there's good. there's some older ones. I mean, Cam Ward over at Houston. Uh, over at uh, Washington State too, but like they're definitely in my that I can remember, probably the oldest quarterbacks that have have been in the Heisman contention in a while. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. Bo Nix has been sensational. Thirty-seven touchdown passes, only two picks. He's going to have four thousand yards on the season as long as you know things go as planned on Saturday. Um, and he just plays. He's at thirty-nine hundred and six yards right now. He's also got six rushing touchdowns on the year. So, I mean, 40-something total touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's I don't know. I, I Especially if they win this game. If he loses, you know, twice to Penix, then, you know, I, I think Penix probably gets the award. But if Bo Nix is able to win this game, get the conference championship, get the playoffs, uh, it, I, I don't see how it's not him. To me, it's him or Marv. Uh, I know they're not going to give it to a receiver. That's a very rare occurrence. But uh, him or Harrison would be uh, my two guys. Uh, I'll tell you this, Oregon is the team I don't want to see in the playoffs. I would oh, much rather play not. Florida State, <laughs> Texas. Um, the only team I'd rather see Oregon before would be I don't want to rematch with Ohio State because I hate rematches if somehow they slip yeah. in. But yeah, uh, I'd rather I, see I Washington. Um, so, you know, I I don't know. I don't want to, you know, with that said, like that's with knowing we're not going to play Georgia just given they're the one seed and we're two. But, um, yeah. The Ducks, I think, are a very, very good football team and might be the best team in the country. So if we're going to play them, I'd rather rather see them in the championship game than uh, in the first round. No doubt. This is definitely the more com- out of the last two. I'll probably last three or four years, I'll say, the most complete uh, one through four talented teams. Like Cincinnati shouldn't have been there. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like there, there have been teams that have just kind of made it, but this is the first time where, like, in my opinion, any one of the team Michigan teams. lost to last year. What? Yeah, like TCU, like <laughs> it, it sucks. Like I, I didn't want to, you know, TCU, Cincinnati. Like yeah, they, we know we both knew TCU was never going to play well against Georgia. Like I think it's the first time in a minute that any one of these four teams could win a national championship. No doubt, no doubt. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, if you, unless you want to talk about the New Mexico State and uh, Liberty uh, cha- US, Conference USA Championship game, I think uh, I think we could cover it a lot here, Jordan. Yeah, no, we have talked a lot, man. I, I you know, I, I do. The it'll be a fun weekend of college football, and I'm looking forward to you know even watching the Texas Oklahoma State game. You know, seeing what Florida State does with Louisville. Uh, obviously, we'll be watching our boys play today, but having that kind of on the background a little bit. Um, so it'll be it'll be uh, fun to see, man. It's crazy to think that we are. It's a fun look- but sad Saturday. <laughs> it is. It is like we're coming to a close already uh, here here in the near future. So hard to believe. Yep. Well, one thing is for certain: this will be the last time you're watching Michigan for you know probably three three to four weeks. Uh, you know, if they win as we expect them to, it'll be another month before they play. Um, you know, if they somehow blow this game and take away their playoff spot, then they'll probably be another three weeks before you see them play, but uh, depending on bowl game, but whatever, uh, you know, this enjoy the football. Cause uh, now it's just bowl games after this week uh, before the playoffs come in, uh, you know, the last week of December or whatever it is. Um, but remember this is uh you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple podcast by searching the victors dash Michigan podcast. You can also subscribe to between the whistles Detroit on YouTube to catch our podcast as well as, as the rest of your Detroit sports needs. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in and catch us on our next episode where we will 
hopefully be uh, celebrating a third straight Big Ten championship and we can identify and discuss our first round playoff game and who we'll be taking on. Go Blue! Go Blue!